Hello everyone, I hope you are well. I'm Carlos Carnicero Uravallen and I want to welcome you all to Future is Blue, a series of podcasts bringing together top experts from academia and think tanks to discuss the most pressing European economic and policy challenges of today. This is a Funkas Europe initiative and we hope we can bring new ideas for a more inspiring debate about Europe. So today we're here to cover the implications of the IRA program that the Joe Biden administration has launched to boost spending on climate and energy policies. The program included a record $369 billion to attract green investment. And to cover this uh, crucial subject, we're joined by Lourdes Maldonado, who's Gail and Rob Cañizares Director at the Emerging Markets Institute in Cornell University. Thank you for joining us, Lourdes. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Lourdes Casanova from Cornell University. And also joining us from Madrid, let me welcome Raymond Torres, Funca Europe Director. Hello, Raymond. Hello, happy to join in as well. Excellent. Thank you both. So let's get started. I think we could perhaps start with the basics here, um, Lourdes. Uh, I wanted to ask you why, in a few words, why this is such a game changer for the uh, American industry. I mean, uh, I don't think Europe's European policymakers are exaggerating when they are so concerned about this policy. So it is really a big deal, isn't it? It is a big deal, but it's not the first time. Let's remember that both the US, Europe, and also Japan um, are protecting their own agricultural products. They say that a cow gets $1 in the US, one euro in uh, Europe, and similar numbers in Japan. So the the agriculture uh, sector has been protected for many, many years as well as, as, for instance, the think aviation. Both Boeing and Airbus are the result of industrial policies and all in both the US and in Europe, and also uh, tremendous subsidies. And in fact, the World Trade Organization, there are always disputes that you are uh, favoring uh, exports or that you are um, uh, investing direct, uh, direct uh, uh, subsidies to, the, to make sure that both Airbus and Boeing remain competitive. So this is not the first time. What is a game changer is the, the depth and the width of this one. And I would bring here, number one, the rise of China. So US is um, very worried about China's competitive age in many different industries. And also, obviously, U.S. is worried about uh, the, envir- the environment and needs to develop a new, a new industry. Let's remember that in cars, in, electric, in batteries, in electrical vehicles and batteries, China is leading. So it's a sector, it's one of those sectors that China is leading. So then this is both a, a, a con- real concern of U.S. of remaining competitive worldwide, but this time not against the, the Europe, but against China in the green uh, energy, in the green industries and in the transition, in the energy, energy transition uh, period that we are uh, 
right now. And obviously, that means that Europe will need to, to remain competitive, will need to also do what has been done in the past, as I said, both in the agricultural sector, but as well in the aviation sector. Thank you, Lourdes. Uh, that's that's quite a good, uh, quite quite good few points to understand what's new and what's not new here in 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 the in the new uh, IRA uh, initiative by the Biden administration. And Raymond, I was wondering because from in, in Europe for a number of years there's been complaints about the U.S. not doing enough to fight climate change, and now that they are doing actually something big to transform their industries to make them greener. Uh, European policymakers seem to be quite unhappy about what's going on. It is indeed uh, a bit ironic that uh, the EU for a long time complained about not the US not doing enough, not joining the international agreements on fighting climate change. And uh, then the US adopted this major package, uh, which has been summarized by, by Lourdes, uh, and the initial reaction actually from Europe was very positive vis-à-vis -vis this package. But then uh, when the Europeans started to read uh, between the lines, or even more specifically, the provisions of the IRA, they realized that uh, there, there were uh, lots of provisions which meant that basically it, was, uh, it, was, it could be used as a protect protectionist tool. So uh, in that sense, the, for example, there are incentives which are only targeted on uh, those products which are produced in the US, uh, those green products which are produced in the, in the US, and also there is a, the package includes uh, some proactive uh, approach to attract uh, foreign investment, and in particular to attract, to try to relocalize activities, uh, including from European enterprises, to the, to the US. And, uh, and the second reading of the agreement, therefore, uh, by European leaders has been different and there is a lot of worries uh, in this sense. So even, you know, to summarize, the overall objective is welcome that the US is on board to fight climate change, but the instrument is, crit is being criticized. Thank you. Thank you, Raymond. Uh, Lourdes, in your view, can, can we avoid a trade uh, war, a, a, a conflict between, a real conflict between the EU and the US? I, I think this is quite an issue here because I'm thinking about the, the current geopolitical uh, situation where we've seen uh, uh, both allies on both sides of the Atlantic remarkably united with the Russia situation and I wonder whether this can challenge this, this unity that we've seen over the last year. We are in a time of change of, change of paradigm that is very radical and very fast. I've been teaching in business schools, first at INSEAD and now at Johnson in Cornell University for my last uh, 30 years. So we are uh, challenging the fundamentals of the of all the all the all the what we have considered like uh, orthodoxy for many many years. What we teach our students, what we teach our students even today. I would say this started with the pandemic. Of course, the realization that we couldn't have access at first. I remember I was in, in, in Ithaca, I was in, in, uh, in the US, uh, not accessing ibuprofeno uh, that, uh, because the, the materials were coming originally from India, from India and then from, uh, from China. So that was a complete shock to American society. 
Um, and that's why that was the principle by which uh, agricultural subsidies are never uh, criticized. That is like a, uh, everybody accepts them. So then it started in, in around in 2020, maybe even before, because even before China is seen very closely as a as a challenge for 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 U.S. supremacy in business. So U.S. supremacy has been mainly in business. Uh, in again, if we go back to business schools, we always study American companies because are supposed to be the best managed, the more efficient, the more innovative, and the ones we have to learn from. But this is challenging. That is is saying, you know, government is back in business, and government needs to organize. The, not only agriculture, as I said before, but also the industry that is completely new. Uh, companies were independent. During this weekend, we have had the disaster of the bankruptcy of uh, the Silicon Valley Bank. And the government is the government is supposed to save, let's say, compensate for the for the deposits of two hundred fifty thousand dollars maximum. And right now, the government has said that it's going to compensate for all deposits no matter the amount so we see again and again uh, the government being part of the being back in business and being very active in what to do what not to do when to do it so definitely a complete change of paradigm and we all need to adjust to this new paradigm thank you lourdes so so absolutely protectionism is on the on the rise right now and I wonder, Raymond, is, is protectionism the, the right answer that the EU is going to put together to respond to the to this uh, Biden initiative? I think this this would be um, this kind of race uh, towards ever more protectionism between the two sides of the Atlantic would be very detrimental, probably to both. Although it is true that Europe has more to lose because of the uh, lack of agreement, uh, the division within European countries uh, uh, about what to do, and also in, in terms of the available budget. I mean, the EU does not have the same budget at the moment to support industry uh, the same way that the US does. And so, uh, but overall, I think it would be detrimental also for the US if everybody starts to subsidize, uh, retaliate between the two sides of the Atlantic. So I think. Uh, clearly, this this is something which uh, I mean it would be detrimental to both. That said, I think one one needs to be within this paradigm shift that Lourdes was mentioning. One needs to be a little bit creative and see how to support. I mean, the the the, the, the positive thing is is that there is on both sides of the Atlantic the view that the uh, that that has to be a fight against climate change, has to be support for renewable energy and so on. And in that sense, I think there is certainly scope, for example, uh, integrating. I think that's what the EU could do to try to, um, uh, you know, show that U.S. companies can have access to EU funds when it comes to subsidies for, uh, for example, green energy or for uh, different energy models. Uh, but uh, uh, the EU wants the U.S. to reciprocate and EU companies having the same access to those subsidies, those IRA subsidies. I think there is scope there for some discussion. I understand the European Commission has started to launch discussions in this respect. The other thing that the EU could do is to do its own homework 
there is a lot of uh, red uh, taping, bureaucracy and, and rules which uh, make the transition to green energy slower and, and probably more costly. And also energy markets probably need to be reformed. There has been a lot of discussion about that. The process is very slow. Uh, uh, and in addition, there, there appear to be shortages of certain skills for not only engineers but technicians and so on, which make the green transition difficult even if uh, there, there were subsidies, let's say, to produce in Europe. Well, there are shortages, uh, uh, labor shortages as well. So I think there's a lot of homework to do in Europe. And probably the IRA package can be used as a as a kind of incentive for Europe to move faster towards the objectives it has declared for its own. I think that's very important, taking into account also that the position of Europe it is iterating very fast. For example, when you look at the external uh, balance of Europe, it has deteriorated, it has now it's now in, in deficit. We used to be in huge surplus before the pandemic. And if you look at uh, the share of Europe in global FDI, in global foreign trade investment, it has declined for, from 23% of global FDI to 12%, whereas the US attracts now 21% of global FDI compared to 19% before the pandemic. So this shows that uh, there are also elements of competitiveness uh, or attractiveness in Europe that need, need to be beefed up over and above this trade war between the two sides of the Atlantic. Uh, Lourdes, but um, in this uh, protectionist uh, race that we're seeing at the moment, is there room for cooperation between the EU and the US? As They are supposed to be partners and like-minded. Uh, it's a group of democracies, as Joe Biden was one of the points in his agenda was about to strengthening and, 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 and creating a democratic alliance. So I wonder, from a trade perspective, is there room for cooperation, even if, if both blocs are more and more putting in place protectionist measures? Yes, it should be, has to be, uh, also in terms of environment. Either we all save the planet or we all sink the planet. So definitely there is tremendous room for cooperation. At the same time, and in relation with uh, what Raymond was mentioning, it has been a little bit puzzling for me. We, we, we uh, at EMI, we publish a report every year about OFDI, so Outward Foreign Direct Investment, and we also look at big data related to international mergers and acquisitions. So what, uh, um, so what, what we are seeing is that in spite of all the rhetoric, um, U.S. companies continue to invest a lot abroad. Uh, M&A, uh, U.S. has recovered. At some point, China was, and, and European countries as well, were much more aggressive internationally. China is, according to the data, less aggressive as, as of the last two years. And the U.S., again, in spite of the rhetoric, continues to buy internationally. So in the back of the mind of many Europeans, and of course the European leaders, is this thing. What is happening here? Who, I mean, to cooperate, you have to give and take, but you have to give as well. So is the US uh, has the right attitude for uh, cooperation? Um, let's remember, or let's remind ourselves that uh, the, the, the problems started with the, pre the previous president, President Trump. Um, 
uh, although of course the rhetoric is so we we are in a much more friendlier situation and as uh, Raymond said a lot of cooperation and agreements in relation with the with the Russian uh, Ukrainian war in the back of the mind is can we fully trust uh, our partner of choice that is the US in terms of uh, a political alignment in terms of uh, also economic alignment etc so i think in the back of the mind that's what hap that's, that's 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 what is happening because president biden followed many of the economic uh, policies that president trump was started again i'm going to say it's a completely different president the the, the cooperation the friendship between europe and, and us is back but regarding economic policy, um, we see a third IC, and we analyze this in the Institute, in the report that we publish every year, we see quite an align alignment between uh, both governments. So uh, they say that, okay, trust takes very long time to build and, and, and is destroyed very quickly. So this is the situation in which Europe is thinking. What is happening here? And, and, and this tremendous, and just, I wanted to add also something else is that in Europe, traditionally, the government is more present in the uh, economy. Uh, in, for instance, in France, 50% of the economy is, is state-owned, directly or indirectly. In Spain, during the, the, the COVID, the government recovered the golden shares of the privatized economies. And as far as I know, has kept this golden share, meaning that the, the, the Spanish government has veto power in terms of hostile acquisitions. We have seen nationalizations, uh, which were, I mean, impossible before in France of EDF, for instance, in, uh, in Germany of a gas company, in Italy before, uh, during the pandemic of Alitalia. So in, the, in, in Europe, or, already traditionally, the government is more present. The question is, is this, and my, my, my forecast would be that Europe will deepen the uh, involvement of the government in the economy and in the business sector because of what is happening in the US. Yes, I can only add that uh, I, I agree that uh, perhaps this, uh, this paradigm shift that Lourdes was mentioning includes a redefinition of the role of the state vis-a-vis -vis markets. And this is certainly one area where this is happening. And in the case of Europe, um, th th there has been a divide in the, between the rhetoric and the reality, because even though the reality is this true, there's more interventionism, in, certainly in Europe than in the US. Uh, the uh, the rhetoric has been much more uh, pro-market, you know, with rules concerning competition policy in particular, which have been very open, and also an attitude towards the multilateral system, which has also been very open. So probably this is, will be an opportunity to align, better align rhetoric with reality also in Europe. Thank you all for joining. This was all for now. We will come back soon with more exciting speakers on Europe's economic and policy-related key debates. Future is Blue is a Funcas Europe initiative. I'm Carlos Carnicero Ravallen, and if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to recommend it to others and share it on social media. Thank you all, and stay well.